Are you blessed or are you cursed with a strong imagination and a spiritual thirst? Do you wanna confide about the darkness inside? Come and talk about it on Self Worst. Hello, good morning. It's Self Worst Podcast. It's your boy, Brad Pearson. Coming at you another week. Last week of April. Oh my god, where'd it go? It's my it's like my favorite month. One of my favorites, and it's already almost over. Goes right by. Life's like so ephemeral, man. You know? It's like seasons changing and really makes you think about life. Seems like January was like seven years long. And then April's over before you know it. What the fuck? It's gonna be May. Which basically means it's almost already January again. God damn it. You know, I was walking around yesterday. I was looking at all the flowering trees. And I was, you know, the what is it? The the big pink ones, the the cherry not the cherry blossoms. Crab apple? Is it crab apple with the big pink? I, cherry blossoms are pink too, but like the ones, you know what I'm talking about. The ones that bloom late spring and they got the big bushy uh, pink flowers. I think it's crab, crab apple. Anyway, I was looking at them and the flowers are kind of starting to, I mean, they're peaked. They're starting to kind of fall off and flutter down all nice. And I, I got that, I got filled with that melancholy feeling like watching fall leaves come off the trees and you're like, oh, winter's coming, it's all over. But it's springtime. I'm ridiculous, is what I'm saying. I'll take a nice, warm spring day and be like, yeah, but it's going to be over soon. It's going to not be spring anymore. Life just melts away before your eyes. (sighs) So what I'm saying is, get out and enjoy it. Enjoy it while it lasts. Enjoy a nice spring day before we're all dead soon. Have fun with your life. Enjoy the time. Enjoy the nice weather while it lasts. Because it's going to suck eventually. So, I'm sitting here. I got my cup of coffee and I did it again. I made too much smoothie for myself. I got a little too ambitious with the smoothie I was making. Got a little too excited. Made myself too much. Made myself like, you know, like a blender pitcher. I I filled that bad boy up like halfway. Real thick peanut butter banana smoothie. Some protein powder in there. And I just slurped that whole thing down. Because I don't like food waste. And I was like, I'm just going to finish it. That was a mistake last week, and it was a mistake this week. So I'm just uh, pouring some coffee on top of it, because that'll settle my stomach. Feeling good, folks. So, this week, we're talking to my old friend, Caitlin Ray O'Connor. That's what she goes by in some circles. I guess she she's starting to go by Kate now sometimes, some places. Heard some people call her Kate, and I'm like, am I... Am I using an antiquated name here? Is it no longer Caitlin? Is it Kate now? Kate with a K? I don't know. I guess that'd be less confusing for me because 
I mean, I'm dating a Caitlyn with a C. That's the that's the correct Gaelic spelling. She's she's Irish. They're both Irish. You meet someone named Caitlyn, pretty good chance they're going to have some Irish heritage in there. But anyway, it's confusing for me because they're both named Caitlyn and they're different people. What am I supposed to do with that? I'm so dumb. I get confused not by the multiverse, but by just the monoverse. By just this one world, one universe with two different Caitlyns who are whole two different people. Different spelling. Different, just different ass people. And I'm like, oh, Caitlyn? Oh no. Brad confused. Anyway, she's an artist. She lives here in New York City. I know her. Uh, yeah, we met the old-fashioned way. We worked a shitty service industry job together. Years ago. And, you know, we, we, we met, we got talking, and we were like, you like art? I like art. Oh, da, 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 da. And we became friends. We would, hang, we would hang out, and we'd go, da, 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 da. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, she's a very, very talented artist. Uh, just off the charts. Just draftsman talent. Incredible. Uh, just right brain to hand skill. The connection there is just... I can't explain it to people who don't really draw, but there's this thing when you draw that you see a vision in your brain and you try and get your hand to do it and... You can't always. It like something gets lost in translation. Your hand doesn't print out the pattern that's in your mind's eye. And it's very frustrating. But she's got it. I mean, maybe she's imagining something else when she when she prints it out of her hand. Her hand printer. But I don't think so. I think it's a pretty direct translation. Looks right to me. Anyway, she's very good at what she does, is what I'm saying, folks. You know, near the end of this uh, conversation, uh, we start talking about confidence and mediocre art and people who really believe in their, uh, their art that's just not that great. That's, in fact, quite middling. Mid, as they're saying these days. It's mid. Your art is mid. You're mid, bitch. And I'm a mid bitch. I'm so mid. I'm so middling. Oddly enough, right after we had this conversation, I happened to dig up my student films uh, that I made in college. Long time ago. Even before I met Caitlin. Either Caitlin, for the listener. So you don't get confused. And, uh... Man, they're they're mid. Those student films are mid. It was pretty embarrassing watching them. It was fairly mortifying. There there were a couple that like I remember making that I didn't even want to show, and I just I had to just like watch them by myself. And uh, 
So I just did that before I started recording. Um, because Caitlin with a C, she's not here right now. She went out to yoga. So I got the place to myself. And so I was like, yeah, I'm going to watch this movie that I was too embarrassed to show her. And man. Ugh. Just sucking down a 24-ounce smoothie. Watching my terrible movie that I thought was really fucking funny and brilliant. And here I am. Almost 20 years later. No, it can't be 20 years. No. No. I don't know, 50. Do the math. It was like 2000... I was there from 2006 to 2009. Something like that. So I don't know. Do do the math. I don't fucking care. Anyway. Really makes you think when you look back on old artwork. The confidence you have to have in it in order to just complete it. In order to just follow through. You really have to believe that what you're doing is good and worth time of day and worth showing to other people and uh man I feel like that was the last time I ever felt like that (laughs) cause uh I'm making this podcast and yeah I've made a lot of episodes and I tell people about it and I promote it on social media and stuff but I don't come on I'm constantly embarrassed by it I'm embarrassed by this intro And I guess that's just how I'm going to feel. I guess the only way for me to feel right is to just keep churning out content and just let the feeling of embarrassment and shame and self-hate just sort of wash over me and just be like, okay, well, that's part of the creative process too, I guess. Mortification is now because you see how mid you are. And that's okay. We're all mid. Caitlin Ray O'Connor's not mid. She's talented. So anyway, I think that's all I got. That's all I wanted to talk about up at the top of the show. Uh, You know the deal. Follow me at Bradical Pearson on Instagram and Twitter. Follow the show at SelfWorst on Instagram. Subscribe uh, on Patreon, patreon.com slash selfworst. Little as a dollar a month, little as a dollar a month, but you can chip in more. I got a new $5 subscriber, so I'd like to welcome them to the show. Thank you. I love you. I kiss you on the lips. I die for you. I'm going to make more bonus content. How about that? I have a bonus content tier that's called chicken over rice because that's because uh, it used to be that's that's five dollars a month and that used to be how much chicken over rice costs not so much anymore most places it's really they've really upped their price thanks brandon but anyway i i don't i don't go for that so much anymore uh the chicken over rice just because there's not a cart nearby but how about i'll make some bonus content and I, i share my sad lunches with you just my sad little eating a beef patty and a Coke Zero just on a park bench by myself. Ooh. 
That's content the world wants to see. At least my Patreon subscribers do. Anyway, that's all for me for now. Let's go to the talk with my friend, Caitlin Ray O'Connor. Or Kate O'Connor. I don't know. I'm doing good. Yeah. Got up early. Oh, you got up early. Look at you. I have to because uh, my cats wake me up and I started eating tuna for breakfast because I end up sharing it with them. Uh, And if I go back to sleep, uh, I fall into one of those deep sleeps, even if it's Mm. for like half an hour. And that's when I get like crazy, crazy dreams. And then I wake up and I'm just like, I don't even know where I am. You have you have really uh, in crazy intense dreams. Really wild dreams, yeah. A lot of times, like I'm not even in them. It's just like watching a movie or something. Uh, but I get pretty much every single night. I get some pretty loopy dreams. Do they carry over like into your day? Do they alter your mood, or you, can you just sort of brush them off as like a? Dream? No, I can brush them off. But I've even had like uh, like inception dreams, like dreams inside dreams, and sometimes uh, if I'm really upset or something in a dream, I yell and I wake myself up. And my ex boyfriend actually told me that I um. I walk around in my sleep. I know that like uh, my mom talks in her sleep, my brother sleepwalks. So we're all pretty like active like that. So you've you've sleepwalked before? No, because I stay in bed and I just have my legs up and I go like that if I'm walking with my legs. So I, I sleep neat. Right. Sometimes. Well. Uh, one time my mom gave me a, an Ambien to eat on an airplane and I don't remember any of it, but I, um, I spent 80, 80 euros on uh, duty-free Toblerone chocolates and ate them all and I don't remember any of it. I just woke up with chocolate. Yeah. And that then can... I, I Googled it and it's a, it's a side effect. Ambien's a a creepy drug it's a it's a real that's a scary one yeah but like eat like uh sleep eating is a thing you have these stories about like roommates like eating uh people's butter and stuff like that in their sleep right eat a whole stick of butter like a candy bar yeah (laughs) it's a hell of a drug i don't know i've never actually taken it um i don't really have trouble sleeping that's not something that has ever really Occasionally, like once in a blue, I'll, I'll have a night where I can't really fall asleep, but it's usually the opposite. Like I sleep too much. Yeah. In fact, I'm having my coffee right now because I just woke. I just got out of bed like not that long ago. Well, it depends I, what your what your cycle is. Yeah, I guess I have I have a, a late cycle. I can get up early in the morning if there's something that I need to get out of bed for, which is the right. only thing. So I've started like taking morning classes at the gym and stuff just because like that's a good thing to like get my ass get up out of bed. Get your day started, yeah. And, and it's better to, for me to exercise in the morning because otherwise I'm so, too exhausted and too drained to want to even do it and it like looms over my day and I'm just like, no, nah, I'd rather just like get it out of the way. So it's almost like a thing that uh, didn't happen. <laughs> you know, it's almost like doesn't, it's so early in the day and I shower and it's once I'm out of the shower after the gym, 
then it's like just this little pocket of my morning then that that kind of doesn't really even count as part of the day right i I used to get up uh when i was like in my early 20s i started this almost like competition with myself and i would get up earlier like if i got up at like six one day i would like get up at like 5 45 the day and it became like this weird kind of like self-righteous thing like i kind of convinced myself that i was like superhuman in a way and like getting up early made me like better than people that slept in or something Mm -hmm. um yeah and i don't know when that stopped but it was pretty crazy behavior (laughs) it was pretty weird because now then i realized like sleeping is actually really great sleeping is great and i love it and i do often feel very uh especially this was a thing in my 20s had had a big inferiority complex about how much i needed sleep and how much i uh would well, sleep in and how much I how much I dreaded waking up early working that's in because people make it like like a like a puritanical thing like like especially like in New York yeah. where you have like a huge chunk of the population that works that doesn't have a nine to five they work at night mm-hmm. so it's not like people are sleeping in until 12 because whatever it's because you know their nine to fives at night and you know like even things like the way that we have kids get up and go to school at like eight o'clock in the morning it's ridiculous we have like this weird uh moral thing attached to and in new york also there's this like weird thing about like 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 suffering and self-worth like you know when people are like oh i stayed i stayed at the office until 11 30 well i stayed until 12 30 or i only need four hours of sleep or i only need three hours of sleep there's, there's like, like so it's it's just silly it's very protestant it's yeah. very like that whole idea that work is supposed to be suffering you're supposed to make sacrifices and not and get up well, really I, early that, and work your ass off otherwise replaced, you're worth shit we've replaced religion with like work in a weird way it's like the same sort of protestant beliefs of like suffering mm-hmm. yeah that's capitalism baby we have really uh <laughs> made productivity and production our our gods so but that changed after the the pandemic i think because people have realized like after the whole like existential crisis that we've gone through in the past two years like People are leaving their jobs. People are. Mm-hmm. Anyway. How was how was the pandemic for you? Did you do you have a, a nice pandemic? How was your pandemic? I was really thriving at first. Um, I had COVID. Um, oh shit! I kind of yeah. I missed what would have been my last week at work, and of course, my boss thought I was exaggerating. That wasn't going to happen. And sure enough. Um, so you got it like early, like spring 2020. Yeah. And I was really sick. Like the kind of sick where like, like I didn't want to tell my mom cause I didn't want her to worry about me, but like secretly I was just like, like I might die. Um, <laughs> but then once, uh, and you know, like even when I was really, really sick and this is probably what made it worse, like. I decided like I had to like exercise still, mm. which bad idea, right. really bad idea. 
uh, why am I exercising in my apartment when I have COVID and can't you breathe? COVID, you have but, a fever. Yeah, it's not <laughs> you, your body needs to rest. Yeah. Um, but after after I got over being sick, I kind of thought that like it, it would be it, it's kind of an ideal situation for I think like everybody I was like. I'm going to get so much work done. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to work on my portfolio. I'm going to start this. I'm going to start that. And then like, you know, months would go by and I'd look back and I'd be like, I haven't actually done anything. How, how did that even happen? Um, but, you know, it's kind of weird because I think like, I'm kind of a, uh, I don't want to say like I self isolate, but I'm kind of like a solitary creature by nature. Um, it's kind of like my default mode. Like if I'm, right. I'm always, I'm always really ready to go home and be by myself. <laughs> you live alone. Um, so if you yeah. had died of COVID, you would have been just eaten by your cats and yeah. yeah. And they would have had no problem with that. Sure. So, so yeah. Uh, the, you know, I think like everyone, um, it was really up and down. Uh, but I, I definitely enjoyed being alone. You enjoyed until the solitude? I did. And I think, um, I think it kind of made, it's not that it made me sad. I think I was kind of um, ashamed at how okay I was. Like, you know, people are really like missing human contact and their friends and sex. And I was just kind of like pretty okay being alone. Do you consider yourself an introvert? Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I mean, I think like an introverted extrovert or something. I think that there's a little bit of a clashing thing because even though I really do like being alone, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I, 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 I can, I don't know. I also like attention. Sure. Who doesn't? <laughs> attention fucking great. No. Yeah. How do you uh, like to garner attention? What's your what's your style of, of attention seeking? Oh, man. Accomplishments, opinions, thirst oh, traps. Yeah. Um, well, whatever. I guess it's like, you know, like a lot of people, like if you, if you if you sort of work creatively and kind of what you do kind of defines you, um, when that doesn't go right or doesn't get attention, it's kind of devastating. Um, so I'm kind of always like on a real high or a real low, which is I'm, I've kind of like learned that that's just how I am and I'm okay with that. Um, I think also as a girl, um, 
I think, um, it's kind of weird because I see like the way people communicate now or how the kids are doing things on social media and TikTok and Instagram and all this stuff. And I'm really glad that that wasn't around when I was younger because I think that vanity has always kind of been a big part in my family in one way or another. So for better or for worse, uh, you know, appearance is important. Mm -hmm. And I kind of, I see how that's really kind of stifled me a lot. How sure. was it drilled into you that it, appearance is really important and how has it, uh, can you give us some sort of spe specific instances if you can think of any? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, how, um, it's, how it's sort of gotten in your way or dragged you down or tripped you up? It's weird. I mean, my, my father and his side of the family, my dad's always been, you know, he's very charming. He was always very good looking. Um, he's gotten a lot more, he's a lot more religious and a lot more conservative as he's gotten older. But um, I think, quiet. Uh, he wasn't great to my mom uh, at all. You know, he, my parents kind of, I don't want to do like a whole like boohoo kind of thing, but like my parents like kept on splitting up all the time. Like they took them a long time to get divorced. But since I was really, really little, um, my dad would introduce me to various women that he was sleeping with, living with, whatever. And it was very much a type. Um, thinness became really, really important. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember like, when I started to gain weight with like puberty and stuff, like it was, there was a, like a lot of shame, kind of like we were talking about sleep, mm -hmm. you know, like the, you know, like enjoying something uh, is kind of like sinful. His family's also very Irish Catholic. Well, so, so there's a lot of, lots of shame, uh, lots of secrets. And um, you're not really supposed to give in to, you know, enjoying sleep or enjoying food it's like and so right. it kind of rubbed off on me these were like almost like um indulgent things right. and being uh thin meant you know you are uh not only sort of in control but sort of like virtuous in a way mm -hmm. um and so even it's, it's really fucked up, but you know, even now, you know, there's always this sort of feeling, well, at least, at least I'm Finnish. Like, which doesn't make any sense because right. at the same time, um, you know, I used to, I used to, I was, I was a very good anorexic in my early twenties. Mm. Um, I would have been bulimic, but I couldn't throw up. I still can't throw up. Like even if I'm really, really sick, I could probably drink bleach and I would just pass it through. Um, but I was like a kind of like a highly functioning uh, anorexic. Um, and I think that has to do with like, you know, getting up really early and thinking I was right. 
because it's the same sort of feeling of like I don't I actually don't need food and it's the same sort of like you know right you start... I actually don't need food I actually don't need sleep I'm actually super super functional yeah and like I'm super functional and I'm actually better than other people because of it and it sounds terrible when it, when I say that out loud but it's really kind of what's going on in your brain um I think uh you know, I, yeah, I mean, I still, I, I definitely don't consider myself, I consider myself recovered. I still really watch what I eat and stuff like that. But um, I actually just quit uh, where I was working my apprenticeship because uh, kind of like what I ate, what I didn't eat, what I looked like was always like discussed. I was working with a whole bunch of guys and you know i like they were talking I, about what you were eating yeah weird yeah or my boss my boss said to me he's like uh oh i had a dream about you last night and you were 10 pounds heavier and you looked really good and we were talking and i said you looked really good and i'm like cool dream i don't know what he's saying <laughs> yeah you looked a lot younger and i'm like cool <laughs> dude and, you know, it was just kind of like, that, that. that's not the reason I quit, obviously. There were right. lots of things going on. But it was a, one of those situations kind of like, um, and girls have to do this a lot. I'm really kind of fascinated with, like, the cool girl, like, trope uh, where we have to sort of pretend like, uh, you know, like, you know, dick jokes are funny. Um any comments about how we look, we could just laugh off. Uh, mm -hmm. We can drink a whole bunch of beer and eat a whole bunch of tacos and doesn't matter. Like, and we all kind of pretend to do that, whether it's like working with men or in a relationship or dating, because here I gave up on dating a long time ago because it's, it's not fun. Right. Uh, and there's a lot of like, you know, we have to pretend to be really chill uh dating and i'm just i'm not chill i'm sensitive and emotional and i get upset and i have shit going on and not like not in like a cute way you know right so it's, um yeah i, I just i think um but I, it's I hard it's hard to share that because you don't want to be seen as like a hysterical female well, you know, well, yeah, you know, it's funny because like even like a few years ago when the whole like Me Too thing started, I was really hesitant to post something on social media because it's really, it's funny. Like right now we're at this really interesting time where men are being really praised for talking about their mental health, whether yeah. it's you know, suffering from ADHD or bipolar, you know, especially like, you know, artists and actors, you know, they're like being really brave and coming out and talking about their mental health issues, which I think is really great because, yeah, I think it's really important for men to be able to be sensitive. Um, but at the same time, and I'm guilty of this as well, I think that a lot of women 
a lot of a lot of times I think that certain phrases get overused and kind of in the same way that we were talking about earlier where you know people sort of like associate suffering with uh like self-worth or like a badge of honor right um I think a lot of times the same thing happens with mental health. And unfortunately, a lot of times uh, women aren't really taken seriously because it sounds like they're just overusing words or being dramatic or I don't know. I'm, I'm going. Right. <laughs> I think I get what you're saying. You're saying that. Uh, may, words such as you know, big buzzwords such as trauma, assault, harm, exactly. things like that, maybe get a little bit overused. Perhaps there's a bit of an overcorrection. Is that what yeah. you're? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I I tend to agree with you, and I think that uh, it's a weird, it's a very delicate thing to talk about. I mean, I feel like every time I bring this up, I'm like handling a grenade. Uh, yeah, because... exactly. It's really really tricky. I don't want to say the wrong thing, but um, I think that in our culture, uh, as you know, just I don't know, progressive millennial types, we of course are in the the camp of you know believe women and uh, and destigmatizing talking about sexual assaults and abuse things like that, but. I think also there is a back end to that, that sometimes things get labeled as abuse and assault that are maybe just a shitty relationship or just like right. a person like behaving badly in a bad place and doesn't necessarily make them a predator, doesn't necessarily make them, uh, you know, doesn't necessarily make this thing like a, um, a pattern of assault and abuse or whatever. It could just be like, well, that was shitty. And you both kind of, it, your dynamic brought out bad things in each other and it wasn't healthy, wasn't good, but exactly. it doesn't necessarily need to be labeled as like this really awful traumatic event. And, you know, trauma is like, if you're traumatized by something, then you kind of know. And if you're not, then you also know that. And, right. you know, and, and I think people sometimes maybe expect themselves to feel a certain way after something, yeah. you know, weird or untoward happens. Uh, and maybe they don't because it just didn't, it didn't set off those like bells in their amygdala. You know, it didn't set off their fight or flight thing the way they thought it maybe would and it didn't make that like they don't rehash it it doesn't haunt them they're just kind of like okay that was weird and gross but i'm fine um but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's fine for everyone it's very complicated it's and very it's very, for everyone. It's very and, personal you know, yeah so like something that even is in a simpler way you know there's, there's a difference between being clinically depressed and having a bad day yeah absolutely so absolutely uh, you know, so I, I, I see what you're saying and it is really difficult to, to talk about without sounding like you're, you know, dismissing people's experiences or writing off, um, you know, any type of public discussion of, uh, sexism, sexual assault, violence, violation, 
um but it's weird by, by saying it's that like well so, like also i'm fine or like you know it's you know whatever you know at the same time i was really sort of like examining you know why am i so hesitant to you know join this hashtag when absolutely me too yeah. um like that's pretty fucked up like you don't want to feel like boy who cried wolf kind of thing. You don't want to feel like you're stealing valor. You don't want to feel no, no, like no, 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 nothing like that. You don't want it to was, feel like the, really whatever just... might have happened to you, your experiences with feel, like being on the receiving end of it was really harassment, just assault, sort of, or anything is like doesn't you know, count. When it first sort of when the hashtag first sort of blew up and mm -hmm. everybody was like posting about it, um. You know, whenever something kind of really goes like viral before we really know what it is, I'm always really hesitant to jump onto any bandwagon, sure. I suppose. Um, yeah, because you can sometimes end up looking like a dumb asshole. Like, oh, those people who like posted about like Coney 2012 and then they're just like, <laughs> oh, oops. You know, like like shit happens. Like sometimes you like join the or, wrong or team or remember, whatever. Uh, like, oh, God, the Black Lives Matter when people were posting uh the black square black square and then yeah. it was like should i post it should i not post it it means this it means that oh it's actually blocking out resources or it's like uh, you can't win every time yeah. i guess it's but, i um, mean it's it can be a little cringe but like that's the, but that's the how thing people is, communicate now. That's how people I think communicate. That we just have to and that's life and what social media does is it keeps a more or less a semi-permanent record because you can go back and delete posts and delete accounts and shit, but it keeps a semi-permanent record of your experience of life, which is, right. which is making mistakes and bad calls and having bad opinions sometimes and being wrong and, and correcting yourself and being like, Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Like, you know, and, and I didn't understand which, that. And now I do, but like, but there's still all those posts a, from a 2012 or 2013 where you were a stupid fuck, you know? So, right. I think for the most part, you know, um, as long as people are acting, I don't know, with, with, with good intentions, you can only fuck up so much, you know? And then if you do fuck up, just accept it. And cause that's what yeah. we do. That I'm can sure be hard. That can be really hard to do because again, the internet can be so acidic and there can be so many dog piles and there can be like people get people end up getting, you know, dragged and main charactered on Twitter all the time yeah. for just like one dumb take. And then they feel like, OK, well, now, you know, I, I don't want to like they hedge all their bets from then on out of fear of being labeled like a monster or some shit or just like getting, you know, dragged and harassed for weeks over over just like some stupid take. And, you know, I've done it too. Like I've jumped on people's replies and just been like, you're fucking dumb. Like, oh, because but it's a, an because adrenaline. It, it feels good. Yeah. It feels, it feels, it feels great to tell to somebody that they're a like, stupid asshole. Well, it's, it's designed to make us feel validated in a weird way. It's like, Ooh, I don't even have to voice an entire researched opinion. I can just like something and I'm morally on the right side or whatever. Mm -hmm. But yeah, let's go. Times. Let's go back to the um, anorexia a little bit. If, yeah, if let's. We could. Um, so when did it 
start to develop? Sounds like it was kind of uh, imbued in you pretty early with messages or like, really how old were you when, when your dad was bringing over all these like, you know, skinny yeah. chicks and like, look what I'm banging. Um, one was actually named Twink. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, honestly, I, I remember one of my roommates, uh, you know, I was kind of speaking with her because she was a bit younger and she had gone through something similar and she was just like, you're in your 20s? That's kind of old to be anorexic, isn't it? I'm just like, well, what the fuck? Yes. But it really didn't kick off until I moved away. I mean, I had sort of like started a uh, a steady, um, like, let's cut things out kind of thing. And, you know, that was the same thing as like, you know, getting up early. And at this point, because um, <laughs> I was in the circus in high school, uh, I was. A word? Wait, what? Yeah, yeah. Um, turned out, a turns sword out, swallower uh, or like a snake no, woman not, or a right, clown. Funny thing, funny thing. I think I actually joined because I, when my parents separated, my mom uh, moved us. She grew up in Peru. Mm -hmm. um, she moved us all to Spain when I was 12, 13. When I moved back, I finished high school, but I had a crush on this guy who, um, he would um, swallow swords. He could also uh, cry milk out of his eyes. Anyway, I realized. Sounds hot. Um, how yeah, could you, he, how yeah. could you not be? Yeah, he was great. Um, he had no interest in me. But uh, I realized I was really, really flexible. Um, my mom was a dancer. Her mother was trapeze artist and acrobat. Um, so I got accepted into the uh, China, the San Francisco School of Chinese Circus Arts. And um, yeah, it was great. I had like, I wasn't like, uh, you know, traveling the world or anything, but I could have gotten into Cirque du Soleil if I had wanted to. I was kind of like doing some gigs in Los Angeles and San Francisco. It's like a contortionist. Um, but I was doing a lot of training, contortionist, yeah. Wow. Um, I did some aerial stuff as well. I really missed that. I really missed that kind of performing. Um, but I think that also sort of, um, fed into my sort of, uh, like, not only do I not have to eat, I can walk on my hands. I can touch my ass to my head. I can like, I'm kind of, I'm basically a superhuman. Um, although ironically, uh, of course, like not eating, um, doesn't help you out really much uh if you're uh training all day to do this this stuff right because your body actually is a machine and needs fuel and needs yeah you would think and... that maybe you don't want to eat too much because you need to remain kind of thin or there's like a discipline thing going into it but you know well you know again this is it's it's also one of those disciplines where people are literally looking at your body so and they don't mince words either. Like they'll tell you to just, you know, eat tuna, cans of right. tuna, nothing else. And this is also the early aughts, right? So this is kind of a weird time for women, I think. Um, you know, yeah, it's when skin thin was in. Is there like low waisted jeans? Thin was in, and, like and people were bones. always looking at, you know, Nicole Richie, like she's starving to it in Paris Hilton and. Uh, there's lots of like weird messages going on. Um, and also like, <laughs> this might be a stretch, but you think about like the music that was popular at that time, 
like Limp Biscuit, like, like it was not a good time to be a female. I don't think. Um, Is it anyway, ever? That's neither here nor there. But uh, yeah, it didn't really kick in until I moved to Europe and you know had no supervision because then mm. I could just really not eat. Um, and I mean, I'm really, really lucky. I guess that the severity of it, um, I kind of saw like how serious it is. Like people, people actually, I didn't think that one, it was that bad mm -hmm. um, or that anything would happen. Like, um, oh, it's extremely dangerous. People die. It's extremely people, yeah, dangerous. Their, their hearts stop. You, you lose the like fat or padding around your brain. And you'll yeah. just like have a concussion out of nowhere. Like shit gets crazy. Yeah. It's, you know, and it's funny because, you know, while it does have a lot to do with vanity, it has a lot to do with uh, like control. Uh, I remember reading this article, like the army did this experiment. They got all of these, um, I think they were conscientious objectors or something during the Vietnam War. And they were studying the effects of, um, starvation they would have all these guys living together like big brother style and just have them like run on treadmills and not eat and the guys got super competitive with each other they started like trying to lose weight faster than the other one that's why there's never any like anorexic anonymous kind of thing because it would just be a fucking disaster we would all be comparing ourselves to each other and trying to out anorexic the other one um but i was really lucky that um I got into therapy, which I'm still in, which is great. What was it that like tipped you off? Like, oh, this is a, like, was, can you bring it back to a moment where you were just like, oh, this is a problem. I need to stop. I need to, I need help getting myself out of this headspace. Um, I think when it comes down to it, there was never like a real, I mean, that's kind of a lie. Um, I realized um, I was getting uh, a lot of the side effects um, that I would get if I I take a minute. Uh, I take Fexer. It's like a I take it for anxiety, but I think it's a right. it's an antidepressant. I don't know. If I don't take it, I get really, really sick. I get heart palpitations, I get a dry mouth, I get like brain shocks. Mm -hmm. And I realized that um, in order for my body to absorb the medication, I have to be eating it with food. So I was really feeling sick. Oh, I was feeling the effects of um, withdrawing from this medication, even though I was taking it because I would, I would literally not to be too gross, but I would mm shit and there'd be like the little capsules of the medication like my body just wouldn't Whoa. absorb it um and that and uh i had i had started working um would it would your poop just be just one little capsule because that's all you put in your no 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 not, not the capsule itself you know how like um you break open a capsule and there's like those little white mini capsules yeah the little the little it would just uh, be those beads. yeah yeah the little beads in my right. poop oh <laughs> um, yeah it sounds like it reminds me of dissecting scat when i was a kid um but also i i started working as a graphic designer um 
had an internship and then they hired me. And you know, even though I didn't even know what a JPEG was at the time. Um, uh, and I had shit that I really wanted to do. Uh, and it wasn't like a night or day change or anything. It was just like my priorities just shifted, you know? Um, I'd gotten really into illustration and graphic design and I had gotten a little bit of like reassurance that I was good at it, you know? I got this job and people liked what I was doing and um, like I couldn't do both. So, and it wasn't like I just, you know, gave up being anorexic. Uh, it was just, I mean, I think over the course of years, I just kind of like slowly, like if you had told me uh, when I was, you know, 98 pounds that I had to gain 20 pounds, I would have flipped out, right? Was but that your lowest like, yeah. weight? You were, you were 98? Yeah. Wow. How yeah, tall are you? it was awesome. I didn't have my period for like two years. It Jesus. was great. And you're, you're, you're fairly tall. No, I'm no? five, four. You're five, four. Okay. So never yeah. no, but. so that's the other thing. Like I technically I have a pretty, I'm pretty like, I've always had pretty dense bones or something. Like mm -hmm. I'm so even when I was, you know, I never got down to like 80 pounds. I know how fucked was up that. A, was that a goal weight? Was that like, I need to be 80 pounds? No, but kind of like. You know, okay, when people, maybe this isn't relatable, but you know when, like, you think you might have a problem, so you start Googling stuff, like, you know, yeah. am, am I an alcoholic? And sure. then you start looking up, like, all the celebrities that are alcoholics and, like, comparing yourselves to them. Same thing. I would love to look for, like, horror stories. And, of course, this was, like, the early 2000s. There were tons of, like, articles about, like, so-and-so is wasting away, and this person yeah. weighs 80 pounds, and this Russian gymnast, like, you know, broke her thigh bone because she was only 75 pounds. So a little bit of that sort of like anorexic mindset is like, well, not that bad. Right. I don't want to be that bad. So. Right. There, I, I know that with a lot of... I'm not saying it's logical. I'm just right. saying... No, I, it, but there's... <laughs> I think... I've, I've never really had... Uh, an eating disorder so this is all just like stuff I've gleaned from other people who have but mm. it can tend to be like you know like you said it's a, it's a fairly like type A high functioning kind of disorder sometimes because oh, yeah. it's very like active control based like I have to be on this so oftentimes there are very specific goal weights they weigh themselves every day or there's like a very calculated intake of calories things like that that it's like very numbers obsessed but some people it's just more of like you know it's it's a little more abstract and, I think it's and, also and partly that. just being like a creature of habit mm -hmm. you know like I like, I will do the same thing. I'll eat the same thing for lunch every day until I get sick of it, just because it's what I'm comfortable with. Or I'll get up at the same time every day, just because it's what I'm comfortable with. Like during the pandemic, you know, I'm still like not quite doing anything sort of like out of my daily schedule is hard like I went I took myself to the movies last week at like 9 30 at night and mm -hmm. I'm like I felt like I was committing a crime or something I was just like right. I shouldn't be doing this like I, sh I should be doing something else and is this what people do 
Like, do people just go to the park or go to the movies? I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I, for better or for worse, I, you know, I'm, I'm very much, some might call it boring. I would say I just like to do the same thing all the time, every day for the rest of my life. Sure. <laughs> Until I don't. Um, until I don't, and then I change everything. What does uh, therapy for eating disorders look like? You were saying that there's not a, I, I think there is, isn't there a- There a, is, a, a, there is. A, a, I don't know how successful they are. Anonymous or whatever, 12-step group I mean, or support group for, for people with eating disorders? I mean, I think there, there, there is. I, what I think, um, I have some opinions about all those anonymous groups, but- um, Sure. Uh, you know, for me, I, I uh, attend um, this thing called Smart Recovery, which is really just um, an approach to any sort of maladaptive behavior, whatever it is. Um, and I've found that it, any maladaptive behavior aside, um, sort of a uh, approaching things um, from a place of, I guess, curiosity rather than like shame. It's really, really hard for me to do because, you know, my Irish, uh, American Irish heritage does not allow that. Like I, I'd like, uh, like I need to suffer in order to change, obviously, because I've been a terrible person and I need to, you know, it's like penance. But um, my therapist was, <laughs> it's actually really funny because she was a therapist that specialized in uh, eating disorders. And she was like six feet tall, like like this beat, like long, dark hair, giant, she was gorgeous, um, but she was really smart. And uh, uh, she just kind of got me. Um, it's any sort of, you know, it's just cognitive behavioral therapy. It's just mm -hmm. plain old, but I guess they have more experience with this. <laughs> mm. Mm. Um, how, how are you with your, you know, eating habits and, and body image these days? Um, I mean, I don't think I'll ever be like a hundred percent, but I don't think anyone is. Right. Um, I mean, I no longer, I'm actually, you know, I, I kind of eat whatever I want. Mm -hmm. Um, which makes me pretty happy. I mean, even if that means I want to eat relatively healthy mm -hmm. and, you know, maybe, you know, a lot of the shit that I would get from my coworkers would be like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just not going to eat pizza in the middle of the day. Don't feel like it. I have, I will, don't want to every day. Shouldn't be a huge thing for discussion, but, um, I'm, I still work on stuff. As someone who like, I have not had a eating disorder per se, but I've had my fair share of body image issues. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, good days and bad days there's days where you you know you look at yourself and you like you pass by like a a shop window or something and you catch your reflection and you're like god what the fuck and then there's some days where you're like actually i look pretty good 
it's funny because I really sympathize. I know quite a few guys uh, that have had like pretty severe eating disorders. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in the same way that, you know, it's so um, associated with a really specific group of people, you know, white teenage girls, basically. But, you know, they've done studies, you know, they've had, um, you know, refugees that have starved that are traumatized gaining weight. They've had, like, there's all sorts of stuff going on. They're humans and food is just like a, it's a thing. Um, And, you know, I really, I sympathize with guys that go through this and don't, really don't have an outlet to, it's hard, it's hard for people to get it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it can be, it can be really, it can be really isolating and it can be, you know, and I think probably you've experienced a lot of this yourself as somebody who, uh, you know, you tend to isolate, you tend to be fairly, uh, mm. solitary. It can be really hard to know if other people are feeling the same way about, you know, their bodies and if like. other men, like, I just have this this thought sometimes where like I walk into a room and I try and clock the physique of every other guy in the room. And I'm like, how do I rank here? And I know as I'm thinking it, that it's not healthy. And I also think like, Oh, this, this guy who, you know, over here with like, just sort of like a regular dad bod, uh, does he not think about it? Does he get insecure about right. it? Does he have like bad, does he look at himself and be like, I wish I looked different or does it just not bother him? And he's just like free from it. Like, cause I would almost yeah. rather have that. I would almost rather yes. not have to like fucking lift kettlebells all the time and, <laughs> and like put myself through this, even though I enjoy doing it because like, sometimes that feels like, like, what am I expending all this energy for? You know? You know, you can't debate the the mental health benefits from exercising. Like, it really does something, especially if you're, like, outside, which... Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, it's interesting with, you know, especially when you talk about, like... Because, you know, if, if you're, like, on the internet, like, you know, self-diagnosing or, you know, look, you know, trying to Google what's what's wrong with you, and it's like, ooh, you know, isolation. Um, I've always been kind of like, am I like this because I isolate or do I isolate because I'm like this? Like, mm-hmm. people will say, like, I, I don't know. That's that. I'm, I'm still trying to figure that out, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, have I think I, I, I've heard you talk a little bit about this uh, way back in the day. By the way, we know each other from, you know, years ago. We worked at a, from a the cafe. coffee shop. We worked at this cafe together. <laughs> um, it was a cafe slash uh, Korean comfort food. Yeah, it was good. It was good food. It was really it good. Just, it, was, uh, it was difficult to work it there. It was really because... good. You just needed more than one employee in there yeah. making 20 fucking bagel sandwiches and making the coffee and running the cash machine. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I, it was, it was, it was really good. It was just like, I could not fucking run that place by myself. No, no. It was was really (laughs) difficult. Um, but anyway. The mayonnaise though. Yeah, it was, I mean, all their stuff was fucking good. There's, there's like tricks that I, like cooking tricks that I learned there that I still. Oh yeah, that's how I learned how to make eggs there. (laughs) Yeah, there's, there's a lot that like, that I carried over and just like, oh, that's how you do that. Like. 
I learned how to make rice properly there by like washing it, rinsing it, soaking it, like stuff like that. Like all of that. Like I had never done that before. And it's like, oh, my rice always sucks. It always sticks together. And it's like, oh, because you don't rinse it, dummy. Well, also we had uh, Nick who was like this Zen, uh, like he just loved making, he was just, he took so much enjoyment with whatever he did. Um, yeah, he was, he was one of the most chill people I've ever met. I never saw him get flustered. I never saw him get upset. I never saw, like, he was just very, well, like. Well, you were, did you hear about the drama? I heard about the drama. I didn't really know. Uh, I mean, I, 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 I only know from what you told me yeah. and from what Dylan told me. Uh, but I didn't, you know, with, with that like psychopath guy, um, he was too nice. Nick was too nice. He didn't want to realize that this guy was a sociopath. Yeah. So like, there's also, I I guess there's that end of it, like being, you know, perhaps too nice, too, too, too passive. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, we know each other from those days. I forgot what I was, uh, (laughs) what I was bringing that up, but, you had heard um, me mention bu- 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 oh yeah yeah you would um you were um newly sober i think during yeah. that time um yeah. was, oh, was, right was that another but that was actually right before <laughs> um right lots of stuff was going on yeah um, that was quite I a actually, year that was like 2016 that was like a big right. i went to rehab that summer oh man okay yeah that I have stories. Um, but before that, um, I was seeing this guy named Irish Steve. Um, why was he Irish or something? Yeah. And everyone okay. just called him Irish Steve. <laughs> anyway, it was a bad situation break. I was just, just gross. Um, it, so that was the first and last time I ever did cocaine. Okay. You could talk about being a superhero. Apparently, um, yeah. <laughs> I turn into a fucking superhero. Um, I had Irish Steve up against a brick wall demanding that he apologize to me for hurting my feelings and uh, chased after his car when he was leaving with another girl. So, and then three weeks of real depression. Haven't touched that stuff since i know from my family history that right probably wouldn't be a good problem. call it's that's a real i mean that is it's, that it's is a, a very problem. difficult drug to have any kind of positive healthy relationship with um, here's the thing i thought i would love it it would be the perfect drug for me like i'd be sociable i'd be thin i'd be mm-hmm, confident mm-hmm. um but no it basically just made me angry and then really depressed for like three weeks uh bad um and i had been steadily drinking more and more up to that but then i was just like you know what i can't like i just kind of like i can't do this at all so um i tried i tried really really hard um to go to some of the local aa groups because you know what we see on uh television is that you know like you go and you sit in a room there's like chairs in a circle and there's like you know people are smoking and coffee and donuts and then there's like a montage and your life is better because now you don't drink no i mean like i would go to these meetings um and i think part of it is because my my father is sober um 
and he is also like Mr. AA. I mean, I, he would tell me things when I was little, like, you know, you're only as sick as your secrets. I don't know what to do with that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I was very frustrated because, you know, I wasn't going to these meetings for fun. Right. Um, I, you know, definitely don't want to like go and hang out with these people just so I can like collect coins. Like, no, I'm here because like there's behavior that I want to stop. You know, at some point there will be some sort of documentary or something like that exploring AA and some of the stuff that goes on there because um, I don't think it's a safe place for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, like shit happens there like it happens anywhere, but there's such strict rules about not talking about things and you know whenever there's any sort of problem um it's always it always kind of goes back to the individual it's always kind of like the individual's fault so like i remember when i went to uh rehab uh of course you know that the only option was aa and i of course being uh you know ballerina so I was going to study really hard and I was really going to try and I couldn't and I kept on saying like I can't uh what was I can't uh you know what was the word like submit or whatever like I'm trying if I if I like I really want to but I can't I can't get along I like and they're like you know it's your ego I'm like it's it's not my ego like my ego is the reason I'm like like you know, to tell me that, like, you know, I didn't want it enough or uh, I thought I was too good for it. I'm like, no, that's not the point. It's just I can't get I can't I can't do it. Um, and it made me really, really kind of like scared, like, well, because it's so, you know, you're, if things are going to get worse and you're going to hit rock bottom and you're going to go to jail and you're going to die and you're going to. And so I'm like, well. I guess that's what's going to happen because I can't. Right. You couldn't yeah. do the, the, what is it? Surrender part. Is that what, yeah. the, is that what the, the term is? I didn't is? even get past the third step. Like, right. I just couldn't do it. And I was, I was really trying to explain, um, you know, it's not, you know, it's not a character defect. I just sure. can't do it. And, you know, I was listening to some podcasts. I really get that. Like, you know, it was created by, a whole bunch of powerful white guys who did yeah. need to be told in the 1930s or something. You're too powerful. It's, yeah, it's old. It's old <laughs> like, school. And yeah. So like, I want to express the caveat here that you know, like AA does help a lot of people. It does. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Programs. I don't yeah, want they, to. Yeah, they do I help. Know I have a lot of friends that are in the program, sure. and it really, really helps a yeah. lot of people. But doesn't work for everybody. It doesn't work for everyone, and this idea that. It's very you know, old school. It's a very rudimentary, uh, you know, it's it's just a different type of, well, just, of help and it doesn't necessarily work for everybody. So if you're listening to this and it works for you, then great. Keep awesome. on it. Yeah. If it doesn't and it, you're looking for something else and you and you're, you know, you're in a place that like Caitlin was in where you think like, well, if 12 step doesn't work, then I guess it's 12 step groups or just, you know, uh, gutter alcoholism, <laughs> um, you know, then 
you're not alone. Then you're not alone and there are other options and, and you'll be okay. And I think that um, especially after the pandemic with a lot of people questioning their relationships with whatever kind of behavior, whatever kind of substance, um, with more and more people examining that, there's got to be more exploration to, oh, wait, it's not the, like, because, right, you know, up until, you know, it, it's always kind of been considered the one and only. Right. Even in, like, the legal system. Um, but, yeah, uh, I eventually, um, I'm rehab, it's fine. Um, <laughs> right. I stayed sober for a while. And kind of went back and forth a little bit. With rehab, did you did you check yourself into a place? Was this like a, a like a twenty eight days sort of? Yeah, it was like thing? a twenty eight days kind of thing, just yeah. like the Sandra Bullock movie. Right. Yeah. Um, How was that? Yeah. What was what was that like? Oh man. Um, you know, it's. I met a lot of cool people. Um, one girl who was writing uh, rehab erotica, which I thought was very interesting. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of assholes too. Um, sure. I don't want to say that I. I don't want to say that it didn't help me, uh, right. because it absolutely did. Um, it's it's. I will ninety eight percent admit that it's probably what I needed at that point. Um, you know, I maybe I just, there's something about like, kind of having all the, your power taken away when you're already in a bad place that just kind of sucks. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, I really didn't agree with a lot of, uh, you know, there's lots of like arts and crafts and <laughs> I, I, I would change the system personally, but right. um, it wasn't until uh, the pandemic really that um, I found a sort of different uh, system, if you will. And it was funny because, you know, pre-pandemic, just like everyone, uh, my life like was just about to take off. Like I had this like job opportunity back in Europe and like everything. And then all of a sudden pandemic. And, you know, I had that same feeling of just like, it's completely out of my control. There's nothing I can do about it. And I was really really pissed off and really angry. And uh, um, I decided to, my, my, my therapist was like, all right, well, yeah, of course, it's out of control, global pandemic. What are you gonna do about it? You know, you might as well, you know, join some uh, online groups or something uh, based in where you wanna be. And, you know, in this case, it was moving back to, to Europe. So I, um, <laughs> Uh, really just because I didn't want to be in America. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to join a, a recovery group elsewhere. Uh, right. And that's what I did because <laughs> I'm, I, I can be a real angry teenager sometimes. 
Um, so I joined this uh, smart recovery group based in the UK. And um, I think uh, the fact that I didn't have to uh, get up and go anywhere helped. Mm -hmm. I could do it like, you know, in, in my bedroom. Um, didn't have to really see anyone. Um, didn't have to really uh, take it seriously. I didn't really have to, you know, I, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> it was like very convenient. And I also made some really, really good friends. And I honestly was just sort of um, listening in and chatting with people because I was bored and lonely for a really, really long time. But um, after a couple weeks, um, what I really, really liked about it, what I, what the reason I still go to these meetings is, um, you know, it's based in uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm -hmm. uh, unlike other programs, um, what it's sort of, um, you know, it's stress for one thing, they, they don't use the word alcoholic or it's bleh, yeah. can I talk? Do they, do they use uh, the, the term sobriety? No, not even that. Um, it's basically, it focuses on sort of like, you know, the reasons that we do what we do um, and approaching it from that angle. Um, I found it a lot easier and more exciting to be like, oh wait, this is my choice. I can, I can drink or I cannot drink. I can eat or I cannot drink. I could well, eat or not drink. Like, like right. I actually have a say in what I'm doing here, and that that was pretty mind blowing for me to realize. Right. Um. Yeah. So are you, um, quote unquote, sober now or, or have you developed a way to uh, have would, a more healthy relationship with, with yeah, substances? Yeah, if I had to like label it, I would say that I moderate, you know, mm -hmm. it's a lot more sort of like examining like, because I, I don't really have like what you'd call like, you know, an urge or a craving. It's more just like, um, as I said, I'm like a creature of habit, you know? Right. So it's more like, you know, let's say it's like five o'clock and be like, oh, I'd really like to have a glass of wine and be like, you know, why? Right. Play the tape through. Do you really want that? Or do you just think you want that because it's five o'clock or? Yeah. And a lot of times what I really learned is, you know, I never really drink to have a great time. Right. Um, one reason alcohol has really benefited me is, uh, you know, I feel like I'm always kind of constantly looking to be in like the zone. Mm -hmm. Um, so if I'm, you know, if I'm painting, doing any sort of creative work that, um, I'm sort of like in the zone, I don't want to have to think about, uh, you know, am I anorexic? Am I an alcoholic? Am I this? Am I that? So, um, it's like, 
drinking for a long time helped me not be more creative, but you know, at all, the opposite, uh, actually. Um, it helped me sort of stay in autopilot for a while mm -hmm. while I was working on something. Like basically I would, you know, after any sort of creative decision is made and there's just work to do, it's easy to do that if you, you know, drinking and not thinking about anything else. But when it comes to actually making creative decisions, that's when I realized like, oh shit, like even if I do have really, really good ideas when I'm drinking, I can't give them credit because I was drinking. Do you know, does that make any sense? Yeah, um, I've I've gone a lot like sort of back and forth on this whether whether or not drugs enhance creativity or hinder it. Um, I think it can do both. I think it's different um, for everyone. I think it's different yeah. for everyone. I think it a, a complete and total reliance on drugs or alcohol to create uh, is not sustainable and often leads to rather bad art. Uh, it it can oh yeah because any like any drug that like gives you that burst of uh inspiration serotonin self-confidence whatever it is that you need um it it also will most likely hinder your ability to uh, make decisions. to make decisions <clears throat> and to to actually like go through the steps of uh, working that stuff out. It can give you inspiration perhaps. So like yeah, case in point, yes. the other day, um, I, uh, I went out with, with some of my friends. We do this thing, uh, boys day where it's just, uh, us, you know, it's just me and the boys and we pick a nice day and we go outside and we drop acid and we nice. just like hang out and walk around and, and laugh at shit. It can, it's, it's fun. And like, I look at it as mostly like recreational and just like sort of like a bonding time, you know, with, with my friends. But, um, you know, I don't know if you've ever done acid or any type of psychedelics, but they do, it, it does like flood your brain, um, and open all these kind of doorways and makes like different connections in your brain that weren't necessarily open before, but, you also like I often find myself like pretty incapable of forming a sentence that makes right. any sense. So yeah. like I'll have all these ideas and I have all these like images and connections in my head like, oh, wow, this is like this and like this, you know, like like making all these like uh, just metaphors and similes and making connections between like what what I'm looking at here, like this like quinceanera taking place like at Brooklyn Bridge Park and I'm like looking at like this image and I'm like okay this is like this and uh, you know like connecting it to all these other memories uh but I can't really properly express it you know like so right. I can really only kind of like maybe make mental note of it and just be like that that was an interesting thought and like I was having some interesting like feelings and connections and moods during all of that but the best I can do is like hope to maybe like document some of that and uh, and and visit it later. And this was a big thing I went through in college when I started smoking weed. Like I'd have these like notebooks of ideas, and then I'd go back and read them the next day, and I'd just be like, 
banana milk. Like, what the fuck is that? Like, this is <laughs> stupid. Like, I don't like. I don't even remember what this meant. You know, or like, uh, just banana milk sounds like a great idea, though. Banana milk. I I don't know. I was just I just pulled two random right. words out. I think banana milk actually did exist. They did make. Uh, briefly in the 90s they made all kinds of different flavored milks that were more or less disgusting they made like a blueberry one that was actually blue i remember this it was like blueberry flavored blue milk and it was fucking vile Um, sounds like something i really would have wanted that my mom wouldn't have let me have i wanted it (laughs) and my parents were like sure yeah milk's good for you go ahead um and then like it was like comical the like the reaction like my the face i made and like just like watching it pour into a glass and it was this like you know it's milky it's like got the viscosity of milk but it's it's like uh yeah it's blue it's like a robin's egg blue you know like and it was just like disturbing and like but um anyway probably someone was on drugs when they came up with that i i don't really know but like this happens a lot in you know, especially you go to art school, you hear a lot of discussions about the connection between drugs and creativity. And, um, I'm still sort of agnostic about the whole thing. Like, I feel like some of the most like clever, creative, productive people I know, um, are like stone cold sober. Um, and then, you know, I know a lot of other people who like it has sort of helped or enhanced. Uh, and then I know an equal amount of people who like, it really just gets in their way and does not help them. And it, it fucks them up even worse. And like, just slowly just, you know, deteriorates their brain to the, to the point where they're not really, uh, you know, as, as brilliant maybe as they once were. And now they're just sort of like a daytime drunk and you're like, Oh man, that's a waste. That's sad. You know, it can go sort of any which way. I guess, you know, nobody really believes the, the cliche of like the, you know, the, what the totally, you know, fucked up creative. I think the consensus is that, um, is kind of like a romanticized, idea of creativity but um yeah I think it's different for everyone um for me uh I don't know not drinking is better for my uh motivation Uh and my self-confidence more than anything else because I think that that's also a lot of the reason that I would drink is you know it's not like it gave me like a boost of self-confidence, but uh, I'd make, you know, like all the, you know, voices in my head telling me I'm this or that, like, I don't have to listen to them. Mm-hmm. So it's not like it makes me more confident. It just kind of cuts out some of the, you know, brain bullshit going on. Um, yeah. And, you know, and it, Confidence is really funny because I, I think it's really important uh, to have, like, I see a lot of people who are successful um, that just think they're the shit. Um, and I have sort of like a love, hate, I don't know if I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'm jealous of them because 
they think they're the shit and I can't think about myself like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Or if I think they're idiots because they think like that, I can't tell what my thoughts are. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's hard when I see people who do have just sort of a, a, a confidence and sure-footedness it I was, is very i was uh, on the the train the other day and i was sitting next to these two kids and they had um they're covered in paint they're talking about how stressed they are about their work and there's this process and the guy says to the girl well you're lucky because you have the option to do something digitally with me with my full large-scale like and they're just like going like yeah but you know the part of my process is this and this is you know and this piece that i was working on you know and they were just like talking for everyone to hear what they were talking about i was like oh yeah like how many pairs of painting pants do you have i get paint all i get paint in my hair i get paint in my ass i paint just everywhere because i'm just working so hard and i'm just like you guys go to sva right (laughs) and they're like yeah 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 we're getting ready for finals and i'm like oh wow Good luck. That's great. Like, there's nothing I detest more than this sort of like blind confidence in one's work, partly because I'm really jealous and I really want to feel like that because I would love to be able to like talk about what I do, like mm-hmm. with a straight face and like with confidence, but I can't do that. Um, partly because I don't even know what I'm doing. Um, but I see people even when I see people who's, you know, whatever the final product of what they're doing is is stupid, then I just get get even more angry. I'm like, how, who raised you to think so well of yourself? Like who, who decided that you can feel so great about all of your creations and that you're so important? Like, yeah, this is something that I encountered. I encountered a lot in art school. I encountered a lot in, uh, you know, the, just uh, film, like filmmaking, you know, just, media. yeah, social oh, media, just people making real people very proudly making what I see is just entirely mediocre work. And I sort of vacillate between feeling like, how are you like that smug, proud look on your face when you show people your movie that isn't all that good. And like, you know, uh, my girlfriend, Caitlin, uh, deals with this a lot uh with she's she works in film pr um entertainment pr and there's these people who just make these like really middling you know independent films or or documentary series that they think are just like they put all this work and money and time into and they think that it's just like gonna like rock the world and change everything and like stop the presses The you know every major publication in the world has to hear about this and she's like it's not that good nobody cares there's a bajillion other people just like you this is gonna come and go and you're gonna have you're gonna like have your little film premiere and then it's not gonna get bought and then like they're going to forget about you and that's going to be it. And you just sank like $2 million into this thing and nobody cares, you know? And like, that's a, I think I know some of the movies that she's talking about because whenever I go down like an Amazon, uh, Amazon rabbit hole, I see these movies and I'm like, this was made by somebody who just got out of film school, who somehow got their hands on like $3 million and got it to Amazon because there's no other reason for this to exist. Well, a lot of them come from money. So so that's how they got the $3 million. But yeah, it's, it's, there is just a, I don't know, a confidence and entitlement, I think often go to 
you know, just just the wrong people, man. I don't know. And it's really hard because it's it's not something that you can instill in somebody. It's really difficult because like I look at your work and I can tell you straight up that your work is fucking incredible. It's stellar. It's really good. It's unique. It has its own like it looks like your work every time your your draftsmanship skills are like off the charts, just innate talent. But I'm telling you all of this, and do you now feel different about your work? No. No, it's no. not going to sink in. You're impervious to it. You know, right. like, I already know that. So, you know, it, it, it's, uh, I don't know how to help anyone in that no, department think, because, know. like, I don't know the answers myself because I fucking hate this podcast. <laughs> no, I feel like, you know, there's something really there's something about youth i think mm -hmm. like the blind confidence of like a 17 year old or 19 year old art student like that's like you can i don't know you could probably you know power the entire city on that energy like that's that's a lot of confidence and i think that it gets kind of sort of like kicked out of us as we get older i mean it's funny because i got a scholarship to SVA and I went to SVA when I was 30 and I was in class with a whole bunch of 19 year olds. And I think that having that sort of blind confidence really helps people take chances. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of chances that I am not, you know, I'm not gonna, you know, I guess, you know, taking creative chances. Um, you know, I've been put in my place and, uh, you know, scolded for so long, any sort of risk taking has been sort of beaten out of me. I don't have that confidence anymore. Maybe if I did, I might do something amazing, but mm. no, I, so th I, th I think it, it has its place in, you know, kids. <laughs> mm. Yeah. It'll get beaten out of you, you know, most of you eventually. Yeah, it will. It will. I don't know. And I guess that's good because if you get it beaten out of you and you persist anyway, then you're really in it. Then you're really yeah. doing it for the right reasons, you know, but you have to like 100% get your ass kicked and discover that like, okay, I can get back up from that and continue if I want to do that and won't run home with my tail between my legs. Because I've also right. done that. Like I... Uh, oh, me too. For a long time, <laughs> you know, and I still think about this sometimes like... I wanted to, there's a lot of forms of art that I wanted to take up, um, but just sort of sucked at it first or uh, was, just didn't have the follow through right. um, with like, I was making comics and scenes and like that ran out of steam. I was doing like stand up open mics and was of course awful at it. Um, and sort of let it, you know, internalize, let it get into my head and just like was not able to do it. And then I still have that kind of longing or looking back on, you know, that the road not taken where I'm just like, eh, maybe if I had had like a little bit more confidence, a little bit more wherewithal, if somebody had just encouraged me a little bit more to stick with it and to, uh, you know, uh, bear the slings and arrows until things you know until you start to get some sort of traction then maybe things would have been different because there's nothing worse i think than being uh, a creative person who's had the creativity beaten out of you and who is uh, sort of failed quote unquote and and uh you have this 
passion and impulse to create in you, but all it does is just like sort of backfire on you now of just this, like you have no way of getting all of these feelings out uh so it, it just they just sort of fester in you without any sort of expression and it just it sucks then you start a podcast then you start a podcast which is <laughs> yeah the podcast is the last frontier of the failure no, so here we are. i mean i hear what you're saying but also you know because i'm also what, what is the uh jack of all trades but master of none yeah. or something like that um I think part of it is the pandemic and another part of it is, you know, being in my late thirties, like often I'll get this idea of like, you know, life's too short. You have to, you know, so like, you know, I really miss acting, for example. Uh, I had talked myself out of, you know, auditioning for this thing a bajillion times. Um, but then I kind of kept on telling myself, no, like I just have to, fucking do it because if I don't I'm gonna get pissed off uh I mean I didn't get it but at least I tried I, you know and you know like all of some of the artists that I admire most um you know like uh that, that guy um uh Bo, Bo Burnham who did the yeah. special on Netflix mm-hmm. that guy's a he's a writer he's an actor he's a musician he's a comedian and you could tell that he's somebody who just like doesn't stop doing stuff, you know? I mean, I guess like the almighty would be like, you know, David Bowie, I mean, he, you know, just doing stuff all the time, right. whether it was good, whether it was bad. Like, that's the kind of thing, like, that's what I really, really admire because you know, you know like how hard it is to just fucking be, cre- like, it's hard work. You need to like, <laughs> work at work at shitty ideas until they're good um which sometimes takes longer than than other times but um it's you know we're also told like in art school like you know you have to like live breathe you know you have to do this all the time and then you just get depressed because you know we'll we'll never be david bowie obviously um yes i i don't know that having all of those interests and drives to do lots of things. I, I strive to that. Yeah. Caitlin O'Connor, thank you so much for coming on the show. (laughs) This was amazing. Um, Let's plug all your stuff. You're becoming, you're uh, becoming a tattoo artist now. Um, I know you just, you you know, you, I know you just, uh, you just left your, your recent internship, but I think starting a new place. Still looking to relocate to to Europe. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I, I I have the utmost confidence in, in you and, and your ability to do that because you have a very sure hand and you have a very distinctive art style. So I think you're going to, I think you're going to really crush it. I'm eventually you're going to tattoo me. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. We're going to do your dog, Um, Dottie. We're going (laughs) to, I want to record a bonus episode actually at some point where uh, we we talk as you're tattooing me because it's just yeah, gonna, it's just gonna it. be like unlistenable because I'm gonna be like ow the whole time but it's just it's I gonna be fun. We can do um, it for your Patreon. 
Uh, yeah, that's what I mean. Um, so, uh, yeah, p- uh, give us give us some plugs. Let people know how to uh, find your amazing artwork. And, and uh, yeah, my, well, my portfolio is still, you know, it's always kind of like under uh, construction because I'm still kind of figuring things out. I'm actually meeting with um, an old professor of mine today because I'm just like, what am I doing? Illustration, painting, tattooing, graphic design, textile design. I don't know what I do, um, which that's what I do, I guess. So I have... Um, Caitlin O'Connor uh, illustration.com uh, is one of my portfolio sites. And if you like cats, um, I have a side project that I started a couple of years ago um, uh, of uh, neon bodega cats that you can also find online under that name. Right so. on. Okay, and we're gonna put all that in the in the show notes. So uh, go check Sounds that good. out. Uh, Caitlin, it was great uh, talking to you and catching up with you and everything. Great talking with you also. Thank you once again to Caitlin Ray O'Connor slash Kate O'Connor. I don't know. We didn't talk about it. I didn't ask her what she what she would prefer these days. That's why you know you change your name in your thirties, and people are really used to calling you on. The, I don't know. Whatever. That's all for now. Uh, once again, you can follow me at Radical Pearson. Selfworst at gmail.com if you want to email the show. We don't really get any emails, but hey, be the first. Be one of the first. Maybe I'll read your email if that's what you want. Let me know. You want to be a part of the show? You want to get your words in here out of my mouth, out into the show, onto the internet? Write me some hate mail or something. You just kill yourself, you dumb fuck. You suck. Anyway. Music is by Shea Bartell. Thank you, Shea. Like and subscribe. Do all of that stuff. Uh, you know, tell a friend. Tag us on socials. Take a screenshot of the podcast playing in your little phone right now put that on your instagram stories tag me i'll regram you get the word out there and whatever you know you don't know how to get the word out there you're listening to a podcast you're a savvy person who knows how the internet works tell tell one friend tell one of your just really annoying mentally ill train wreck friends about this show like hey i know it i know a show for basket case crazy people like you who can't stop getting in their own way. It's called Self-Worst. It's by a guy who uh, just has a a litany of issues. Self-esteem and body image and ADHD and emotional dysregulation and all kinds of shit. Depression. You, you would enjoy it because you're also uh, so tell them that I'm Brad Pearson until next time don't kill yourself we'll all be dead soon enough